Hello and welcome to Cavalcade of America from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The DuPont Company of Wilmington, Delaware, makers of better things for better living through chemistry, presents the Cavalcade of America. Tonight's stars, Douglas Fairbanks and Walter Hamden. Tonight, during Thanksgiving week, DuPont Cavalcade presents a Thanksgiving play called The Stepping Stones. Just 330 years ago today, on November 21st in 1620, a band of cold, sick, hungry, and desperate men gathered on the deck of a ship riding at anchor off Cape Cod. There, on that day, they signed the first American charter of civil liberties and civil responsibilities, the document now known as the Mayflower Compact. Tonight, the DuPont Cavalcade brings you their story. Walter Hamden will play the part of William Brewster, and Douglas Fairbanks will be John Alden. I am John Alden. That same John Alden who followed the gleam in the eyes of a handsome girl westward across the ocean sea. To find joy for my heart, work for my hands, and peace for my soul. This is not my story, nor the story of Priscilla, my good wife. It is the tale of that one amongst all the Mayflower Company who best deserved the name they chose for themselves. The name of Saint. He was Master William Brewster, elder of the exiles, wise leader, and a second father for such poor lost sheep as <laughs> John Alden. His story begins in the council chamber of an English king, James I, newly come from Scotland on the death of Elizabeth and still a Scot. Sometime in the year 1608, when I myself was but a child, I had thought, my lord, that so that we have suffered a sufficient disturbance. And now you report further in this chief. He's obscure, you say? Yes, these are little men, your majesty. Lacking in numbers, quite deficient in wealth, position, or power. Yet they are heretics. Indeed. It is their whim to suppose that religion should be free of royal power and that each man should be permitted to worship God after his own manner. What? Monstrous, monstrous. Yet you say they're not impossible. Such is my belief. They are, most of them, poor men. Tinkers, tailors, storekeepers and such. Mm. Uh, your counsel, then? Uh, moderation, Majesty. A few clipped ears in each congregation as we find them out. A uh, forehead branded here and there. No drastic step. Nonsense. I will make them conform themselves, or I will harry them out of the land. I'll do worse to them. 
Among the little people was Master William Brewster, postmaster and innkeeper at Scrooby in a far corner of Nottinghamshire. With Richard Clifton and John Robinson, this Brewster had formed a secret congregation of free worshippers. When word of the king's purpose reached the elders... I vow we must never submit to this lordly and tyrannous power. What say you, Master Brewster, that we are like to have small choice in the matter, Richard? The power is too great. Oh, why should God have given England to the devil's very nephew? Perhaps to test the strength of our own convictions, Master Robinson. This great gilly on the throne suffers in his mind from the canker of kings. A belief in force. We must summon up an answerable courage. But what shall we do, brother? Go on as before. Worship God and trust in him. Meet in secret as before. Love each one the other as before. But, but must we not prepare? For exile? Yes, yes, I fear we must. When the blow falls, we must be ready. There's been talk of Holland. It is said a man may call his soul his own in the lowland cities. That is true, true enough, as our world goes. I've made inquiries in Amsterdam. I have friends there. Kingsmen? Maybe so. Oh, I think not. I heard no horses. Open the door. Master, Master, young Will Bradford. Master Bruce, good master. I have news of great evil. Here, lad, sit you down. Uh, Compose yourself, my boy. I have ridden and walked and run from Lincoln Town this night, Master, to warn you. In the market, I heard it. Now, quietly, Will. Now, what is this word that you have for us? We are betrayed. What? The names of all our congregation are in the hands of the king's bailiff. Oh. He rides to Scrooby on the morrow. They will take us up, everyone. What you said, we shall be put to torture. Torture. It has come sooner than I thought. Brothers, it is God's will that we leave England. And so the Lord's three people fled into Holland. In Amsterdam and Leiden, grinding poverty was their lot. With hard labor and unfamiliar tasks, the burden of all. Even the smallest children, under the lash of necessity, their thoughts turned little by little over the years towards the new world. And it was William Brewster who pressed them forward in this new adventure. As Bradford was to write one day, a great hope and inward zeal they had of laying some foundation in those remote parts of the world. Yea, though they should be but stepping stones unto others for the performing of so great a work. In Leiden, the elder had turned printer for his daily bread. Certain tracts published by him offended the authorities, both Dutch and English. And so he alone of all the company was still a fugitive in the year 1620. time, with the help of secret sympathizers, Brewster returned to England, and there he lay hidden until the little pilgrim congregation reached Southampton. There, arrangements were made to smuggle Brewster aboard the Mayflower under cover of night. One day in that summer, as I was at work in the dockside sack I used for my cooper's trade... Young man, young man, just love the Lord thy God. What say you? What say, young sir? Why, old man, there's a strange question to pop out so bare among my barrels. I've never given the matter great thought. So, so you're not one of us. I had hoped. But uh, no matter. 
Do you love justice, young Cooper? Aye, though I've seen little of such like commodity hereabouts. If you seek justice, Master, I know not where to send you for it. Not in all England. I seek refuge from the injustice of the king, from the king's bailiff. Hard on my heels for a moment ago. Hide me, lad. Hide me quickly and turn them away. And lose my ears, the chance lose his hand that serves to grasp a mallet and earn my bread till I lose my life? Ah, hardly, Master. What have you done? I've printed the truth. Look at me, lad. Do you see evil? Do you see villainy? Look into my eyes. I saw gentleness and light, such goodness as in all my young life I had never known. Even now, I could not tell the why of it, but I knew I must do this man's bidding, despite the king's cruel law. Again, I heard him implore. Find me, lad. Find me a refuge where I should be taken. My life will be forfeit. For that, I care nothing. But many look to me for help. Hide me in God's name. In your own name, old man. God's a stranger to me. I must be daft, but come back here, quickly. Into this great hogshead. What? Oh, it is empty enough. Oh. A hand up and... Uh, yeah. Still now. And I'll lie my ears off if they come. In thy name or the devil. Oh? They're coming. They're on it now. Who are you? John Alden, Cooper by trade. Speak through Cooper in the king's name. Have you seen a small, hunched-over man with a brown waistcoat and a look of hypocritical holiness in his face? That I have, save I saw not his face. He passed here not um, three minutes since and in great haste. Which way? Uh, up from the docks, up, um, up into the town. He, uh, uh, he was clutching at his breast as if in great pain from running. If you lie, you shall pay up on the rack. Come along, we'll take him yet. <laughs> well, old man, I've earned me a fool's reward. Let me help you out. Yes. Oh, I've been quite a place to have you. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Hey, I think that my first words did mystify your ears. Aye, ah, it was a strange encounter. Thus love the Lord thy God. <laughs> Who can answer to that? Some of us can. He's a secret partisan on this coast. For the manner of password, a countersign. Oh, Dad, I'm William Brewster. Take your printer, I told you. I'm John Alden, the Cooper. Surely we are well met. So we must part right here. Oh, Priscilla. Oh, Master. I saw the soldier. Where's your father? Where's Master Mullen? He waits upon your coming at the place we had agreed. He dared not to leave something new in search of you. I saw the soldiers enter here. I was afraid to. Oh, now, girl, I'm quite safe. By the art of this young man. Priscilla Mullins, this is John Alden, who has done me a great kindness without asking why. My service, Miss. Why do you stare, sir? Your eyes, Miss. They're like the eyes of the elder here. Are you thin? Only in the spirit, John. We are both at the company who sail for the new world. To work it as you will. Will you have need of a well-skilled carpenter and cooper, Master? What? You, you bench over this? No, oh, that I would. Oh, uh, with your parents, yes. I have none. I have these two hands and tools to fit them. I can read and write, for my uncle taught me. And I have a mind to see this new land. Oh, uh, what do you suggest? If we are to go out in the great night this night to the ship, we need strong arms to roll. We should set my father to not be our well. Let the Cooper come. It's too well. 
of the ship Mayflower, Captain Christopher Jones, commanding. The 6th of September, 1620. Weighed anchor, wind fair, course west-south-west. So we take our departure from England. Pont Cavalcade of America, starring Douglas Fairbanks as John Alden and Walter Hamden as William Brewster. Sponsored by the DuPont Company, makers of better things for better living through chemistry. Our play, The Stepping Stones, continues. The same being a tale of the Mayflower and the Mayflower Compact, signed 330 years ago today, off the Massachusetts shore, in a time when the ideas of religious freedom and equality were new in the world. John Alden tells the story of Elder Brewster. It was a curious mixed company that sailed for, they thought, Virginia. Brewster's congregation numbered but 41. 63 others, the outsiders or strangers, had been lured into the adventure by the promises of the London investors who had furnished the ship for the voyage. Most of these outsiders were respectable folks, though less than tersely. A few a little better than vagabonds, the scourings of London gutters. The churchmen insisted on ruling the whole company, but they did allow one spokesman for the unredeemed. Soon there was trouble brewing. I recall one night, Midway in the passage, Priscilla Mullins came on deck to escape the cold, black stench of that dreadful hold. I followed her to the rail. John, you know you mustn't talk with me. So says your father, but why? Why does Master Mullins look down his nose at me? Why? Because you are not one of us. Must I say it again? Because I won't listen to long-winded sermons and young foul smothering holes. Because I can't sing tuneless hymns when I don't know what they mean? Because you blaspheme against God and make sport of our way? Because you are profane, John Organ. But I just speak my mind. I like to laugh a bit. <laughs> I, I mean no harm to your people. Well, hear me out, Priscilla. There, there are those among the mystic company who do wish to harm the things. What do you mean? That mutiny is brewing with those you call outsiders. Mutiny? They will not long brook your elders' authority once lands in view. You see... They like not being forever outside. This is our ship by charter. Those wretched people from London have their spokesman and Master Christopher Mark. Master Christopher speaks for the soft ones, the tame cats. Those with servants under bonds and guineas jingling in their purses. There are others of different, desperate sorts. Violent. Wretched they are and rough, and some of them are ready for evil deeds. But do this. If you know where Master Brewster lies hidden, go to him. Tell him the Cooper says it's time for him to come forth. The winds blew and cracked their feet, and we buried young Billy Button at sea, the first to die. A child, Oceanus Hopkins, was born. John Howland was swept overboard and pulled himself back by a trailing halyard. A miracle, declared the saint. 
But there were more sinners than saints aboard that storm-wrecked ship. After many a weary and watery mile, land was sighted at Cape Cod, far to the north of our proposed destination. And then another storm. It's a swindle. I tell you, mate, it's a bloody swindle. Virginia. Is young Tilly Sands to Virginia? It may be for all of me. Archer. We're far to the north. And do you know for why? You tell us for why. There's too much for my wit. Because in Virginia, those psalm-singing, holy, pulpit pounders will come once more under the hand of the king. They could lord it over us no longer. It's our swindle, I say. Can we swim to Virginia? No. But we can take the ship and sail her there. Reese the Suffolk is no lawyer. There's Captain Jones, law, and he's a hard man. Captain Shrimp, all bluster and blow. I could break him in two like this wooden peg. I've tipped this business to a round dozen of the older lads. We'll meet here tonight to plan it out. Well, them canting hypocrites are at their And around the one open fire in the passenger hold, another council was in progress. Huddled there against the November cold were Elder Brewster and John Carver of the Holland Congregation with Miles Standish, the little red-headed soldier, and Christopher Martin representing the outsiders, the unsanctified. Said Elder Brewster, Captain Jones has told us that he can proceed no further to the south, lest his supplies for the return voyage give out. Whether he speaks truth or not, I cannot say. But I, for one, am content to cast our lot here, upon this coast. And you, John Carver? Is agreed. We'll be further removed from the long arm of King James and his pretty boy's favorite. Captain Standish? It's all one to me if a harbor can be found in a hill to touch us off upon. You, Master Martin, will you speak for the outsider? Mm. Why should I speak? My words carry no weight in this council. Christopher, this grumbling ill becomes your worth and substance. There are others who may do more than grumble. And who are the couple I know not. But there's a great whispering about a gabble of mutiny. Mutiny? Aye, mutiny. Most of the outsiders trust me to uphold their rights in council. A few scorn my officers and plot behind my back. I've heard this talk of mutiny. Name me the traitors. I'll show them the color of action. I'll string them up on the yardarm. No, no, Captain Standish. We'll not use force. Force is the name of all we strive and suffer to conquer. Force breeds force, as maggot breeds corruption. And the end of that road is ever death. No, we must try the way of reason and loving kindness. We're all Englishmen here on the far edge of earth. And we're all children of God. We must act as brothers. Or surely we shall perish where the spring moves north again. What would you have us do then? I put that question most urgently in prayer, Master Carver, and my prayer has been answered. Let us draw up a compact for our government. And in this treaty amongst ourselves, let it be written that all in the community are equal before the law. Equal before the law? Equal? Why, it is a thing unheard of. Some must rule and some be ruled. It's never been so. Some must lead. It's true. And others follow. But by consent, not by force. Oh, Let us try this new thing here on these new shores. Let us remove all cause of strife and civil disorder among all our elements. Let us have the courage 
to act with reason and human heartedness each toward the other. Let us join together the sundered members of this small and much perilled body. So, we shall set forth a shining example to those who will follow after us to the shores of this new world. We have need of the law in this compact. Let the law be made equally for all. Is agreed then? Well, Master Martin? I let it be agreed. You, Miles Sanders? I so be it. My thanks, good master. This gray and sleepy hour is the 11th of November, old time, in 1620. November 21st in your new calendar, 330 years ago today. To all the assembled Mayflower Company on deck, William Brewster offers his compact. In the name of God, amen. 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 We, whose names are underwritten, the subjects of our dead sovereign lord, James I, no. of Great Britain, France, Brothers, brothers, I beg of you, keep it a form of words. We are English still, the compact will be heard at home. Let us not have the steward Kingsland send the ship of war against us. We do by these presents, solemnly and mutually, in the presence of God and of one another, covenant and combine ourselves together into a civil body, politics, for our better ordering and preservation. And by virtue thereof, to enact, constitute, and frame such just and equal laws, ordinances, acts, constitutions, and offices from time to time, as shall be thought most neat and convenient for the general good of the colony, under which we all promise due submission and obedience. In witness thereof, we have hereunder subscribed our names at this card, the 11th of November, in the year of our Lord, 1620. Who will sign this contract? I, John Carter. I, William Bradford. I, Edward Winslow. I, Isaac Allerton. I, Miles Standish. Those who have great foolishness. Who among the artisans will come forward now? This is for all of us. Not just the Holland men, and not just the gentry born. This is for all of us. Masters and yeomen alike. Who will come forward in time? John Alden? Yes, I'll sign with all my heart, as I do love justice. Elder Brewster, this John? Um, there'll be no mutiny now. Now the violent tongues are silent. We've removed their cause for complaint. And you've won a great victory. You've made a great life in the world. The victory belongs to the Lord, John. All life is his life. Time without end. I thought you'd say that. Elder, yes, lad. Could you teach me what you mean when you say such things? Could you show me this way you have chosen, this way of truth and life? I would share the peace I've seen in your eyes. 
You'll be one of us, John. If you teach me, Master, I'll try to learn to walk your path. So mind you, it will not be easy work. It's not an easy road, John. But I'll do my best. Please, to William James, to Calpus, to Phil Mullen, and the father. was found, a settlement made, a winter came. Half of our company met death in that first winter in the new world. What shall I say for them? Of those who set forth from Southampton and from Plymouth, most were brave, many were loving, a few were wise. Out of the sum of their wisdom, their human heartedness, and their fortitude came a part of your own great American heritage. Knowingly or not, they were as stepping stones unto others for the performing of a great work, a work that's still unfinished. If the wisest of them could speak, the most gentle, strongest of all, I think he might say, forget what you've been given, leave it not. Push forward, still in the way of the Lord's three people, so the night be dark. And the road is stony one. Follow ever the path of reason and courage and love in God's name. to Waldo Hamden, Douglas Fairbanks, and the Cavalcade players for tonight's story, The Stepping Stones. And now, Bill Hamilton, speaking for the DuPont Company. This will be the 50th Thanksgiving Day of the 20th century, and America has come halfway through a hectic hundred years. Yet here we are, and we've taken all that fate has hurled at us, and have grown stronger every day. This is reason enough for Thanksgiving. We should, as a nation, lift our voices in a great hymn of thanks to our makers for the wisdom, the courage, the adaptability, the good fortune, the plain doggedness that have brought us through safely. One secret of this strength beyond question is the indomitable urge that God has given us to create, to build, to improve. More than a century and a half of experience has shown the secret of America's strength in war and in peace. A way of living and working we know as the American way of life. May we continue in it and prosper. May we continue in it and achieve one day the treaty of peace for which mankind has prayed so long and carefully. The treaty of peace which will endure forever. This is the thanksgiving wish of the men and women who make the DuPont Company's Better things for better living through chemistry. Tonight's Coupon Cavalcade, The Stepping Stones, was written by George H. Faulkner. In support of Douglas Fairbanks and Walter Hamden tonight, you heard Susan Douglas as Priscilla. Mr. Fairbanks' current motion picture is State Secret. Music for the Coupon Cavalcade is composed by R.D. Cornwell and conducted by Donald Boyd. The program is directed by John Zoller. This is Cy Harris speaking. Ladies and gentlemen, Though tuberculosis is no longer the menace it was at the beginning of the century, it still takes more lives 
than all other infectious diseases put together. But TB can be conquered by medical care and research, financed by your purchase of Christmas fields. So this year, buy them and buy a lot. Here, lovable baby snooks and Bob Hope back in the States on NBC. Mm-hmm.